So today I want to share with you guys on Ezekiel 34. It's God's word to the shepherds of Israel. Uh, it's not a sweet, lovey-dovey word. It's not like an inspirational, motivational, brave heart type of speech. It is, as I wrote in the uh, in the social media promo, a, a torrential tongue lashing, right? Kena uh, scolding, kena mara properly, right? Um, and today it's not mara for us. Okay, neither Mara the scolding nor Mara the bitter. Uh, but today we want to hear uh, God's heart. And God's heart underneath this is that He loves the sheep so much. And He loves the church so much. And I believe that every one of us loves the church so much. I trust uh, that we all do. And we want to go in to explore how the church can be loving. Okay, so, so for those of you, I know that there's a small group of you guys listening right now um, who are not listening live, but you're listening to, to this on YouTube. There may be no contacts. It is 2021. We are in the middle of a COVID lockdown in Malaysia. And it is July of 2021. And, and it's been a year and a half now, right? Thereabouts of, of us going through this. Okay. And I'm speaking to a church with 85 devices signed in. This is like family. So if you're listening from like a few years from today, listening to this on YouTube, just know that there is an original context with 85 people together to share and, and hear together as a community, right? As a community. And I'll, you'll see later why um, that, that little lens is helpful and important for us. I'm going to jump right in. Shepherds of Israel, Ezekiel 34. We can have it on this slide. I'm just going to read it and explain as we go along. Verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds. Thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. Next slide. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth, with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become prey, my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd. And because my sheep have not, my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds. And I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. 
No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. Wow, just this first 10 verses. Let me do a quick recap, but I think you get the flavor. And I think you can already feel like if you're one of the shepherds of Israel, either you're like, oh no, right? Oh no. Or maybe you're like, no, it's not talking about me. I'm fine. Yeah, it's so bad, right? Cross the threshold where you say it's got to be, he has to be talking about the shepherd uh, down the road. But what's the, what's the Lord saying here? Israel's shepherds were neglecting the sheep. They were feeding themselves not just feeding themselves, they were feeding themselves with the fat and choices of the sheep that they were supposed to be shepherding. They were taking those and feeding themselves and they ruled the sheep with harshness. And because of this, they scattered. And they scattered, they were like lost sheep wandering around all the places and then there are predators on the outside. They became prey to the wild beasts. And I think you can see that there are predators on the outside and then there are also predators on the inside. And the shepherds have become the predators on the inside. And when they rule with harshness and kill the fat ones, the sheep scatter, but they don't scatter to a safe place. They scatter to the predators on the outside. God says, I will put a stop to this. How does God put a stop to this? Verse 11. Let's take a look. For thus says the Lord God. By the way, every time you see the Lord God with a G-O-D, it's Jehovah Yahweh. Okay? For thus says Jehovah Yahweh. Every time you see big L-O-R-D, it is Yahweh. Okay? And I sometimes when I read my Bible, I like to replace it with the Jewish name. For thus says Jehovah Yahweh, Behold, I... I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that they have been that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. It speaks of danger. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. Just very quickly, remember in John 10 when Jesus says that there are other sheep who are not of this fold, and I must go and bring them as well. It's a, it's, it's a fulfillment of this. And then later, of course, it's fulfilled in the book of Acts when all the sheep, right, um, who are not of the, of the Jewish fold come to hear the gospel. But I, don't, I'm not, I, I just want to keep on reading, right? Just thought you needed to see that it's fulfilled in John 10 and it's fulfilled even further in the book of Acts. Let's move on. Sorry, I will, I will feed them with good pasture. And on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There, there they shall lie down in good grazing land. And on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. This was fulfilled when Jesus fed the 5,000 on the mountains of Israel. Pastor Chiu preached on this two years ago in the Matthew series in the main church. Jesus fed the 5,000 and it was a messianic act. The moment he did that, it reminds everybody of Ezekiel 34. The Messiah will feed the sheep on the mountain sides of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and I myself will make them lie down. Psalm 23. 
I make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Let's look at a quick summary of this last bunch of verses. God will search for his sheep. He will rescue them from their scattering and he will feed, he himself will feed the sheep and he will make them lie down. God will destroy the fat sheep. Now, that line is like, whoa, whoa, no, I thought the shepherds of Israel were destroying the sheep, the fat sheep. What's going on? Hang in there. I am going to address what's happening with the fat sheep and why God is so angry, not just with the shepherds, but he's also got a second layer of anger against the fat sheep of Israel, right? So, so, so let's paste this one. Okay, we're going to get there. And feed the sheep in justice. He will feed the sheep in justice. Let's move on to verse 17. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, Jehovah Yahweh, behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. It is not enough. Is it not enough? Hypothetical question. Right, a rhetorical question. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of the pasture? And to drink of clear water that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet? And must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet? And drink what you have muddied with your feet? So that's what the fat sheep are doing. The fat sheep, when they drink, they don't just drink their own. They drink their own and then they spoil the water for everyone else. They eat their, their, their grass and they ruin the grass for everyone else. That's what's happening. Verse 20. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I, I myself, will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you push with side and shoulder, and thrust at all the wheat with your horns till they have scattered them abroad. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep. Last slide. And I will set over them one shepherd, my servant, David. Just a quick articulation on this point. King David has long passed. King David has passed for maybe some 1,000 years already. And so, is it 1,000 years? I'm trying to get the, the, the timeline right. It's not 1,000 years, but he has passed, right? This is like after David was Solomon, after Solomon was the two kingdoms, and the two kingdoms are Jalan, the northern kingdoms are gone, the southern kingdoms are, uh, are, have gone. Ezekiel 33, Jerusalem was destroyed. Right? Today we are in 34. So super gone already. It's like properly gone. Right? And now he says, in the context of, uh, remember Ezekiel is, is, is spoken to the, is, the Jewish refugees in Babylon. So they are a resettled community by the Kiba uh, Canal or River. It's an irrigation channel and that's their refugee camp is there. And these words are being spoken to them. When he says, my servant David, when he says the shepherds of Israel, it's talking about back home when things were falling apart and as things are still falling apart right now at press time, right? And so he says, 500 years. 
500 years uh, between David um, and, and Ezekiel's time, right? So he's passed. So why is he saying, I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David? What's he referring to? He's referring to the seed of David, the son or grandson or grand, 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 grandson of David, the son of David who is going to be that shepherd, that Messiah, that good shepherd who is going to come and pastor over his flock forever and properly. He shall feed them, he shall feed them and be their shepherd and I, the Lord Yahweh, will be their God and my servant David shall be prince among them. Everybody say prince. Everybody say prince, right? In Ezekiel 45, 46, we're going to be looking at the prince. So this motif is going to come back, okay? This motif is going to come back. I, David shall be the prince among them. I am Yahweh. I have spoken, says Lord. Father, I just thank you, Father God, for this word. And I just pray, Father, that today you teach us, Lord God, your heart. We, you teach us your heart for how the church gathers, for how your people gather, for how your people relate to one another, for how we are to, to called to be tight, to be strong, uh, to, to love one another, to be gentle with one another, to feed one another. And we pray, Father God, that you will teach pastors to be shepherds. We pray that you will teach congregations to be sheep. You teach pastors to be sheep before uh, um, um, each other and before for you, our great high shepherd. So Father, I thank you. And I just want to praise your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Now, um, today's sermon, uh, oh, I'm just going to, yeah. God will judge between sheep and sheep. God scolds the sheep, strong sheep for being selfish and being abusive towards the weak sheep. This has further scattered the weak sheep. God will rescue his flock and he will set up one shepherd over David, right? Um, that's David over them, right? Now, uh, today's sermon is, uh, I, I find myself saying this to my wife every week, that, oh, this week very tough. You know, every, every time it's, very, it's like, I don't know why, right? Uh, maybe every week ought to be um, a journey into the reality of, of God's word into the reality of how maybe sometimes it's not so easy uh, to live it out. But I'll tell you, but in particular, why I found today's one um, challenging to navigate is because it deals with the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. And the sheep, singular. Sheep, sheep, plural of sheep is sheep, okay? English lesson, plural of sheep, sheep. I see one or two of you going like, yeah, preach that, right? Um, there's no sheeps. Okay, it's plural sheep is sheep. Uh, but, but this is this is not about that. Um, it's about the relationship between pastors and their flock. It's about relationship between flock and flock. It's a about the relationship that churches and the culture that churches foster. So when I say this to you, I want you to know that I love the church so much. The church in an abstract form. I love SIBKL so much. I think you all know this, but if you're new and you don't know that, I super love SIBKL. 19 years maybe, if I've been in, in this church, and I absolutely am sold out to what God is doing through SIBKL, our vision, you know, to, to, and, our, and, our, and our distinctives, you know, everything. But as a, someone on the inside, I'm also acutely aware of how churches can be imperfect. Acutely aware of our own imperfections. 
And when I say our, I really am speaking as someone who has been helping in one way, shape or form or rather to do church and then seeing its imperfections and then, you know, correcting some of those imperfections and then seeing overcorrections. And, 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 and I can assure you that all of your pastors are constantly in this tension between trying to do one thing or other in order to feed the flock better. And along the way, sometimes those imperfections um, become glaring. Sometimes, and I've not only been in SIBKL, in the church previous, priors, uh, prior uh, that I have attended, or in churches that I've attempted to attend and settle in, um, clearly it never happened because here I am <laughs> pastoring in SIBKL, you know, um, I have seen for myself the imperfections of the church, then the imperfections of pastors, and the imperfections of some of the cultures um, that churches may end up having. And so, as I tread, as we all as a church family, as I said earlier, 93 devices, all moving together as a community. Know this, that my heart is for you. I'm not trying to disclaim and say, oh, we are going to be an imperfect church, so please put up with our imperfections, uh, even though it's true, but I don't think that's the place for the pastor to constantly have to disclaim for himself. Let's see three points that I want to show you on this. Number one, we're going to learn about Jesus on the church, on VIP sheep, and on everybody else. Okay? Point one is Jesus on the church, VIP sheep, and everybody else. Point number two is Jesus on nameless, faceless, sheepless, celebrity, mega church. Okay, I confess. It's a bit clickbaity. <laughs> okay? But you, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Nameless, faceless, sheepless celebrity mega church later third point jesus on how jesus himself shepherds his sheep okay so he's going to talk about how i will shepherd my sheep let's get into the first one who are the fat sheep remember just now we saw it's a little bit mm, we got to get this right who are the fat sheep and who are the shepherds of israel I'm going to attack the first one, not attack the first one, I'm not going to attack the fat sheep, I'm going to attack the point, right, um, on who are the fat sheep. Let's take a look. They are prey. I think it's important for us to see that first and foremost, they were praised. They were victims of the system where the shepherds were, were feasting on the fat sheep. It says in verse 3, you to the shepherds, you eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, meaning they were fleeced for their wool. Then they were slaughtered for their fat, eaten for their fat. And then, as you do with carcasses, you throw them out. But you do not feed the sheep. That's what God says to the shepherds of Israel. So before we look at the second part down there, we need to know that above all things, that the fat sheep were first prey to the shepherds of Israel. They were used, they were abused, they were thrown out. They were sucked out dry, Everything they could offer, their shepherd, they offered it. Their shepherd sucked everything out, took all the fat, took all the, all, the, all, all the wool. And then when there was nothing left for them to offer their shepherd, they were discarded. And then there's new fat sheep always coming in. But at the same time, it's a very complex relationship, but the fat sheep became predators to the other sheep as well. And they became abusive and bullying 
Verse 21 says, because you push with your side and your shoulder and thrust all the weak with your horns till you have scattered them abroad, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be prey. Right? So the hunted becomes the hunter to the next person. It reminds me of the parable of the man who owed money, you know, and then he was forgiven, and then he goes and finds someone who owes him even less money, and you know, and then there's a that, and then there's a something else going on there. But in that case, he was forgiven here, and then he treated this one badly. In this particular case, he's treated badly, and then he treats the next person badly. Church, this doesn't just happen in church. Church, this happens in the workplace, where senior management treats you very badly, and middle management. Sh- shovels the proverbial bad stuff down, right? And then that bad stuff keeps getting shoveled down and down and down until the poor intern every day kena bamboo like maximum, right? It happens everywhere. It happens in families. Husband fight with wife, wife fight with husband, angry, take it out on the kids, right? And then kids get angry, kick the dog, right? <laughs> happens in Every kind of like gathering of people, especially when you've got hierarchical structures, when you've got when you've got a system for governing each other, it happens. But today we're not talking about all that, though you can apply it for your life wherever you find it. We're talking about the church. The weak sheep. Let's look at the weak sheep, right? How do we know who what's happening to them? I showed you this when I preached on I am the good shepherd back in our I am series that spanned throughout February of last of this year. So if you are new to this church, or if you happen to miss the I Am series, there is a link that should be showing up in the Zoom chat. Click on it, pause it, and leave it in your YouTube browser, okay? Uh, because you might want to go back to that and refer to it because Ezekiel 34 is the prequel of John chapter 10. Okay? And John chapter 10 answers a lot of the questions and issues that Ezekiel 34 raises. So go check that out. But in that sermon, I shared with you this slide. That the weak were not strengthened, sick not healed, injured not bound up, straight not brought back, lost not sought. And if someone ever asked me, and they have, Fergus, what is your job as a pastor? I will turn to Ezekiel 34 and I will say my job as a pastor is to strengthen the weak, heal the sick, bind up the injured, bring back the straight, seek the lost. Because this is the biblical picture of what shepherding a flock is supposed to be. And later we're going to look at how sometimes as pastors we end up doing everything except for these five things. But that's for later. So how do we know who's the, who, who are the lean sheep? Sometimes it's hard to know who's the fat sheep. Right? It's hard to pinpoint exactly what is this fat sheep that, 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 that Yahweh is saying, right? But if we know the lean sheep, they are the weak, the sick, the injured, the straight, the lost. So, so naturally, if we draw two columns, then we're going to say that the fat sheep is the opposite law, right? They are the strong, the healthy, the fit, those who stay and those who are found, right? Right? But cannot be, ma. Cannot be, ma, because it's good to be strong, ma. There's nothing wrong with being healthy, ma. There's nothing wrong with being fit. There's nothing wrong with staying uh, uh, um, rather than straying, right? And there's nothing wrong with being found, right? Yeah, strong is strong, right? We want to be a strong church. So actually, these are not. that's not what the fat sheep are. So actually, what's the fat sheep then? 
right? If the lean sheep is all these things, what's the fat sheep? It is those who are strong at the expense of those who are weak. In this case, it is those who are healthy at the expense of causing others to be more sick so that they can be more healthy. It is those who are fit at the expense of injuring others, those who are staying at the expense of causing others to have to stray, and those who are found at the expense of others having to be lost so that they can remain. That's the fat sheep that is being spoken about in Ezekiel 34. So, essentially, it is a VIP sheep. I showed you this sheep, right? How many of you remember this sheep from, from, from February, right? <laughs> it's the VIP sheep, the sheep that walks in and believes, genuinely believes that it is um, higher ranking than everybody else. It's not just the normal sheep in the pew, it's the sheep who has access to the first row, it's the sheep that has access to the first things, it is sheep that has access to the best things. How does it work out for modern day church? Because we can preach Ezekiel 34 and 600 BC stuff. And then all of that has to be interpreted and made relevant to the realities of modern day church. How do modern-day churches sometimes elevate and, and put on a pedestal some of the sheep so that they are VIP and more important than everyone else? Now, you can see it on the screen already, but I just want to say one comment here. Most churches, if not maybe every church, will have a certain bend and a certain leaning. And I understand that. I've seen it. I've been part of... I've been part of services and churches and, and whatnot that I can see the band. I can see the band. And that band, within certain ranges, okay, that's a gift, I understand. And sometimes God calls us to minister to certain groups of people. I get that. But then sometimes that, that skewing doesn't just stay as a small skew. It becomes a big skewing. And then suddenly some groups become prioritized. Certain profiles become uh, um, the most important and the only. And I've even heard it being said that you don't fit the kind of uh, uh, profile that we want in our church. I've heard it being said before. And it grieves me to hear uh, um, shepherds speak like that. And so, how does it look like in modern day churches? Sometimes it is the young people. Sometimes it's people who can contribute and be generous, be generous, right? Rich. Sometimes it's the pretty girls or the handsome boys. It's the beautiful people. Sometimes it's those who have had lots of corporate success. Sometimes it's those who have a lot of time. You're, you're, you're single. You have a lot of free time. You have a lot of heart. You serve a lot. You're prepared to serve every week. You know, you are the VIP. Your type is the VIP. Sometimes it becomes like that. And maybe the pastors don't set out to do it intentionally, but how we are sometimes shows that certain profiles become priority profiles. I want to be self-aware. I want to show these things as a half-confessional, half-self-warning right, to myself.
And then there is, it might not be this, it might be a totally different set of, of, of attributes. It might be old, it might be old white men, if you, if you uh, are from a different culture from Malaysia, right? Um, old white um, uh, Calvinist men, right? I, I don't know, what, what, what kind of profiles have you been in in different churches, right? Conservative, certain set of politics, right? Rich, maybe influential, I don't know. Maybe it could be the opposite. It could be that your church makes a VIP of the extra, uh, uh, um, of, of the poor. And then, you, you, and then there's a reverse prejudice, you know? I don't know. It can apply to anything. I think that's the point of this slide, is that it can apply to anything. And we all need to be careful because it's not just pastors who set the culture. It is everybody who sets the culture, right? The pastors set the culture and the leaders kind of like enable the culture and then everybody becomes caught and part of it. So I just wanted to show this to you, okay, and be as self-aware as possible. Now, I'm going to show you the next, the next slide is a chart that shows you how the relationship works out in Ezekiel 34. Oftentimes, the churches, see the purple line, enable VIP sheep. Enable a culture of VIP sheep. So you guys are the special ones. You guys can do whatever. We're going to set up the, the worship for your style, the, the, the preaching for your style, the everything for your style, but it goes beyond that. And then the further it goes beyond that, then that's more, the more VIP, VIPing it becomes, right? Um, uh, we're going to set everything up to prioritize a certain group. We are enabling the culture of more important sheep than, than the rest. And along the way, the church is neglecting the rest. But I think I showed you just now that there is a weird, complex, toxic relationship happening between that, yellow, that purple line, okay? Because in as much as there is an enabling of VIP-ness, there is also an extraction. This Ezekiel 34, okay? This is not me trying to talk about some previous church punya experience. This is me explaining what Ezekiel 34 is saying. There is the VIP church who are, VIP sheep who are being prioritized, but at the same time, they are being sucked for their fat, for their wool. They are being fleeced for what they can offer the shepherd, right? They are slaughtered. And then when they are no more good, they are thrown away. And sometimes it happens in church where the most talented, the most available, the most willing to serve uh, are given one million things to do, but maybe not shepherded. Given two million things to do, but also neglected because they are, they seem to be doing well. Maybe they are more, high, more of high caliber to their perception. Maybe they seem to be more able. So we assume that they're going to be okay. Yeah, every time I talk to him, he can spill Bible verses. So I think he's fine. I think he's fine, right? Um, every time I, I, I'm with them, I get this sense that, oh, they, 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 I, I'm sure their quiet time is okay. You see, when, when, when he share with his team, he sounds so spiritual. I'm sure they're okay, right? And sometimes we do that. We, we extract. We suck dry, but we don't pass the back. And so, along the way, I want to share that I want to be self-aware that this kind of culture doesn't take root in SIBKL at Sungai Buloh. That our little church family here should be a church family that where everybody is shepherded, especially if you are you, you, you are volunteering a lot, you're giving a lot of your time, then, then I want you to know that if you feel left out, if you feel dry, you should be able to say it and nobody, uh, uh, we should not have a culture where that is wrong, 
right? We really shouldn't have that culture, okay? Um, but then there is another thing happening here, which is how the relationship of the sheep to the rest, right, is taking place. And I'm going to show you a red line. The church unwittingly tolerates the behavior of the VIP sheep where they selfishly, abusively sideline everybody else. And that causes the rest to scatter. This is Ezekiel 34. This is not me just talking. This is Ezekiel 34. The relationships between all these lines are playing out first in 600 BC, Israel. This relationship was playing out there. 600 years after that in Jesus' time, that same relationship started playing out again in the way the Pharisees were, in a way, unwittingly tolerating, maybe, I don't know, you know, neglecting the sheep, definitely, and causing the sheep to be scattered through their abuse. Yes, sucking out whatever they can from whoever they can, right? We know that they extracted every last cent from the widows, from the orphan and everything. You know, whoever they could draw from, they drew from, then they cast them out to die. Same pattern, 600 BC, 1st AD, and I believe it continues to happen today. Just a few weeks ago, I just saw another news story of another high-profile megachurch pastor in America um, and all of his his abusive behaviors in his local church and all of his heavy-handed behaviors uh, towards his leaders and his and his sheep uh, started to come out in the press again and and again it grieves me right um, but we don't really have to always look at the at, at big churches in america to see this story um, we just have to look at ourselves and make sure it doesn't happen here so the sheep have shepherds the shepherds look like this ezekiel 34 they were harsh and forceful Next slide. Yep. They profited from them, exploited the ones they liked, neglected the ones they didn't like. And then it is into this milieu. It is into this, this crock pot, right? Crack potted crock pot that Jesus says, I myself will come and shepherd my sheep. I myself. When he says, I myself. When your boss says, I myself. It's serious, right? Jesus says, I gave you the chance to do it. You all didn't do it. Now I myself will come. But you will personally shepherd the sheep. I think that's important for us to hear, right? And we'll get into this in the third point later. When Jesus says, I myself will shepherd the sheep, he does. He came himself as a man. First AD, he came and shepherded the sheep. And in the wake of that, if you continue reading through the Gospels to the book of Acts, you see that he uses the shepherds in the sheep. Your local church becomes his proxy to serve the sheep, to guide the sheep, to find the lost, right? To, to, to bring back the straight, to heal the sick, to bind up the injured, and to, and, and, and to, and to what's the fifth one? which is the first one I forgot, right? Yeah, but, but, to, but to essentially shepherd the flock. So I want to show you guys now why it's important for us to move from this first point into the next point. And the next point is this. Jesus is starting to make comments that in our day today refers to the nameless, faceless, sheepless, celebrity megachurch. And I want to show you the text. So let's look at shepherds having to feed the sheep. God's expectation is that shepherds feed sheep. Verse 2 says, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? That's the that's God's, God's expectation. That's the JD. Shepherds, your role is 
feed the sheep. But in reality, no ministry was actually taking place to the weakest and no actual ministry. No actual person was there to minister to the weak sheep. Because verse 4 says, The weak you have not strengthened, sick you have not healed, injured you have not bound up, strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought. Right? Lost, seeking. That's right. There was no actual ministry to the people. There may have been things happening in the synagogue, but there was no actual ministry to the weak. And how does that look like? What is God saying to the shepherds today? I know I'm not preaching to pastors. I'm preaching to all of you guys. But God says this to pastors. He says this to pastors in 1 Peter chapter 5. If, so I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. So I want you to see, even in verse 1, there are two things happening. As elders, but also as sheep, because you yourself have been a sheep, and you yourself every day still are a sheep, right? So as elders, but also as a partaker of the glory, meaning that you are a recipient of God's love as well, you are a recipient of God's grace as well, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. And I want you to all, in your Bibles, you can see that circle among you, among you, among you. It's not shepherd the flock that is on the internet three years away from now. Even though I'm self-aware enough to know that this is going on YouTube, some of you may be listening to this. Don't let me shepherd you if I'm talking two years ago from where you are now. Maybe you're in 2023, you know, and this is a two-year-old sermon online, right? And if you're hearing this, please don't be shepherded by an online sermon. Please go back to your, to, to your, to your local church pastor. If you're listening to this from a different country, and if this supplements your feeding in the Word, I'm so thankful. But please go back to your local church. Go back to your local church pastor. Build a relationship where your local church pastor can shepherd you and you can put yourself into a shepherding and mutually uh, relational re uh, 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 kind of context and relationship. Please do that. I'll talk a bit more about this in a moment. But shepherd the flock that is among you as a pastor, that's very important. That I'm not speaking past all of you 93 devices. And, and because I want to preach to all the Twitter crowd and all the Instagram crowd and all, the, all those other crowds that didn't come into Zoom. No, I'm talking to you guys. Like, you're 93, I'm talking to you. And if there's even one person outside eavesdropping from, from on YouTube one year from now or one week from now, then they are eavesdropping into our conversation. But U93 devices and more behind each device, you are the people I'm talking to right now. That's what local church means. That's what local church in an internet age means. And this shepherd is supposed to provide oversight. He's supposed to see you. He's supposed to see over you. Make sure that he can see over you. And a celebrity mega church pastor cannot see over you. He doesn't even see you. He sees you as a number or in terms of how many hits there are on his video. Not under compulsion, but willingly. There has to be a relationship of love and genuineness. As God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. There should be an enthusiasm that, that exists between shepherd and sheep, sheep and shepherd. There has to be a, 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 a joy 
and you can't be joyful over nameless, faceless um, vis visitors um, in, 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 in a YouTube video. It's hard. It's hard. Eagerly, but not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And examples doesn't mean I show up, I'm on the screen, I preach, and that's my example. How useful is that as an example to you? But a real example is when I'm living and I'm, and I'm going through the difficulties of, of, of our days, of parenting, of doing online school, or, or, of loving the lost. Or I just heard today that, that there are so many families in the BM church um, uh, who are struggling, who the putos pendapatan. Is the, is the expression I've just learned, right? Terputos pendapatan. And I, I, I'm trying to figure out how to navigate that. And as I figure that out, maybe that becomes an example to all of us in terms of how we navigate it together. That's what local church is all about. And then when the chief shepherd appears, then the unfading crown of glory, that joy, which is the approval from Jesus, comes to all of us, right? First, I guess in this case, it's to the elders. But then I believe that when, that when the relationship is mutual, it becomes all of us. So what does this mean, my friends? It means that the internet megachurch has no sheep. Just thousands of viewers. The internet megachurch has no sheep. Just thousands of hits. And you cannot be pastored by an internet pastor. Stephen Furtick cannot pastor you. Matt Chandler cannot pastor you. John Piper cannot pastor you. Not from, not, not from there to here. And I don't know who else is your internet celebrity pastor of your choice. Now, I listen to lots of podcasts. I used to. I used to listen to even more, right? These days, my wife listens to more podcasts than me, but I'm still listening to, to quite a fair amount of podcasts. Joel Austin can't pastor you, right? right? They can't. There is, there is no sheep on the internet to pastor. There are sheep in the local church to be pastored. So if you find that going online to listen to sermons grows you, please let it grow you. But that celebrity pastor is not going to be your shepherd. Your cell leader is going to be your week-on-week -week shepherd. That's the most important one. You know, I was just recently in a conversation with someone when, and the topic came up um, about, about the reluctance of people to be kind of like falling out from church um, during this time of COVID lockdowns. And, 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 and the, the guy I was speaking to said this, which was, I felt really, really rock solid, really centered. He said that if you are in the service and in cell, very good. If you are in a cell, but not in the service, okay. If you are in the service, but you're not in cell, not so okay. In other words, it's more important that you're in a cell in this season or maybe even in any season, than if you are in a service. And I'll tell you why. The service can give you teaching. This sermon, this particular 40 plus minute, 50 minute preaching, you can replicate it online. And celebrity pastors maybe can preach it better. But it's in your cell groups, in your small groups, in that small local context, where you really get shepherded well. And I provide that for some of us. 
and there are maybe 90 over of you right now and it will take a while for me to reach everyone but i'm trying to reach as many but then those i cannot reach you have cell leaders to to, to help you around to help pastor you and that's why i want to i want to give you an invitation if you're new you're visiting don't wait too long to join a cell and that's why if you're new and visiting say in the chat group you know in the zoom chat right that i would like to get to know a cell right connect me with one it may not work i may try it may not work but i want to try i don't want to just sit back and say no right so i want to talk to three different groups of people among you and the first one is this COVID lockdown has driven you to online church COVID lockdown has driven no let's go back to the first one yeah COVID lockdown has driven you to online church i understand but please find a cell find a group that you can belong with find one or two people sometimes all you need is one or two people who will just text you a prayer call you once in a while and pray with you right be a friend that is super important in these days when we don't have physical church after church makan chit chat pray all that kind of unofficial kind of things that kind of relationship that, that that takes place we are missing all that so in this time of COVID lockdown if you've been driven to online church and you are hearing sermons from from anywhere else in this world it's okay but make sure you are being shepherded by a real flesh and blood tangible physical shepherd in your life second group you're happy being part of a global church movement through an online platform you're happy and you say pastor these days church is all online i don't need to go to a physical church in fact i'm only interested in jesus anyway so i can follow jesus i read my bible at home i watch you know i watch um craig rochelle you know and that's it i'm done yay that's my church right no that is not good enough that's not good enough because the biblical picture of church is that we are knit together as a body there is relationship and that relationship in the knitting is more important more important than you sitting in the pew listening to a sermon that's more important and so i want you to know that if you have this uh, uh, mindset where i'm happy it's just me jesus and my celebrity church online don't don't settle just for that shoot for the one that is more complex the one that involves flesh and blood the one that might risk a bit of hurting you the risk you know a little bit of of getting entangled into human relationships which maybe you don't like you know um and and maybe uh, uh, uh you feel that ah oh, so legit to have to go and relate to people in church risk all that for the better thing which is a real relationship in a local church that is so important shepherds must pastor sheep who are around them and sheep must be pastored by shepherds who are around them that's biblical and the third group is this and i want to tread this gently maybe some of you have been wounded by your local church and because of that you find it hard to to start again it's painful because going through that process of trying to resettle into a local church and then meeting pastors having to meet leaders again brings back all this like it's like the ptsd is real you know it's like you really you really feel the wounds all over again you hear that abusive uh, um, um, words over again you feel that abuse all over again some of you have been have gone through tough experiences in your local church you've seen churches split you have you, you, you have felt pushed out by a church before 
maybe you were a different person then, maybe they were different people then, but so much water has gone under the bridge, yet it's still hard to plant yourself somewhere. I understand. I understand. And I'm not going to say, come to Sunai Bulo, we're going to be different. No, no. But I will say this, that if you feel that you want to just this Zoom level, seeing 90 faces on your screen and saying hi is the next step. And one step, it's just one step. What is the little you can do? Then I'm thankful that you're taking that one step. And if you feel down the road that you are prepared to take one more step, which is just to text in to the Zoom call and say, to the Zoom chat and say, introduce me to a church. And if that's the next step that you feel you can do, then I'm going to say, I praise God for that. It is the work of the Spirit. It's not, it's not from you, right? But if you feel that you can't, then hey, okay, you can just stay, you know, where you are and take tiny step at a time. Tiny step at a time. Which is why this supersedes what I said earlier about, you know, you being happy to be part of a global mega church. If, if, if you're finding it really hard, baby step, baby step. But today is about orienting our hearts. It's about orienting our hearts towards what is the most ideal picture that Jesus paints out for us, which is a flock that has a local shepherd. And so I want to be very uh, uh, understanding if you've been wounded from previous church experiences. And just this one moment, can you let me pray? 30 second prayer. We're not done yet with the sermon. I just want to pray a short one. Father, I want to pray for everyone who is here who has been hurt from a previous church experience. They felt taken advantage of, wounded, sucked up, used, abused, taken out. Every day is a withdrawal. And you've had harsh words spoken to you. You've had judgy looks uh, um, uh, 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 shot at you. You've been told. You've been made small. You've been whatever it is. And then you want to say, Lord, I don't know if I can trust a local church again. Father, I pray, Father God, that, this, that you release healing today. That you release healing and reach the very heart and the very place of the heart that is wounded. And Father, I pray, Lord God, that you bring about healing deep into their hearts. And we pray also for the pastors and leaders from that former church experience. And we pray, Father God, that you are also doing a work there. So that when they as sheep and we as sheep are all being pastored by the Good Shepherd Jesus. Father, that you can bring us out of that season to not be imprisoned by it anymore, but to move into the next thing that you want to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. But I really am ending very, very, very soon. And with that, I just want to show you the last point. First, Jesus talks about the church, VIP sheep and everybody else. He talks about nameless, faceless, celebrity mega church. And there's no sheep there. And then he talks about how he himself will shepherd the sheep. He says, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I, will, I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. And this is a... This is a hyperlink to Psalm 23. There's a parallel. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down. I'll talk more about this next week when I preach a sermon entitled Pasture Land. So I won't dwell on this too much. But next week, we're going to be talking about the peace, the joy, the comfort, the safety of the sheep when they are in the hands of Shepherd Jesus. But I want to show you the rest of Psalm 23. 
The rest of Psalm 23 says, He leads me beside still waters. And Jesus in John chapter 7 said that anyone who believes in me out of them will spring forth springs of living water. That's what it means, that the still waters is to nourish the sheep. And out of this sheep, there'll be so much of that nourishment that when we believe in him, it will overflow from us. That's a picture of what it looks like to be shepherded by Jesus himself. Next highlight. Even... I'm just going to read, He restores my soul, He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, death, I shall fear no evil, for you are with me. And that valley of shadow of death for Jesus became the cross. It became Gethsemane and the Via Dolorosa all the way to the cross. But you know what? He took that walk so that we didn't have to take that walk. He took that walk so that He can become our good shepherd once and for all so that we will finally have someone whose rod and whose staff is with us. With us, he stood with us through our cross and then took our place on the cross so that we did not have to die and we did not have to be shepherdless sheep, lost. He sought us, he found us, he brought us home. That's what his rod and staff mean. They comfort us because shepherd Jesus is with us through the darkness and the cross. Next highlight. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And the enemy here is both the wild beast outside. It's also sometimes the wild beast inside, maybe from the past, maybe from your old experience in church. But he prepares a table for you, my friends. So if you prayed that prayer just now with me, I want you to know that he's preparing a celebration and a feast for you. It lies in front of you through the valley of shadow of death. You go through it, there is a table prepared for you where he will pour oil on your head and then surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now, sometimes we reach verse 5 and verse 6 and we forget that this psalm is about sheep and then we think about us as humans already, right? Because sheep don't sit at tables, sheep don't have oil poured on their heads, sheep don't drink from cups. So we suddenly, the metaphor for sheep is, is suddenly hilang already. But it's still there, except that the relationship right now is taking on something else. Because sheep follow shepherds. But when sheep follow shepherds, it says in verse 6 here, goodness and mercy, that's Jesus, shall follow me. Now the shepherd's goodness and the shepherd's mercy will be with me and it will follow me. Now the shepherd follows you all the days of your life and you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This house at the end of Ezekiel has a name. This house name is the Lord is there. Emmanuel, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is your high shepherd. Church, let us all lift up our hands as we close in prayer. But as we, as we dwell in His presence right now, just a little moment left, let us remember that the Lord replies you. He replies you when you sing this worship song. And He says, I will love you, my child. I will love you, my child. I will love you, my child forever all your days i will love you
my child. So Father, we thank you that the Good Shepherd loves us all our days. And you saved us so that our all our days will be forever days with you, unending days with you. And we shall celebrate and live in the forever joy of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So Father, may you bless every single one of us. May you go ahead of us. May you make the ground beneath our feet a rock, solid rock, so that we stand on the unshakable relationship of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you. May the love of God, our Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with every one of us until we meet again and all of God's people shout aloud, Amen.